Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. The Biden administration has been adamant about saying that the door to diplomacy remains open to Russia. Uh, But after Russia began invading Ukraine, uh, of course, uh, sanctions have been placed on Russia from the United States and other partners. Uh, Today, Press Secretary Jen Psaki announced that a potential Biden-Putin summit was off the table. Uh, Other things are still on the table. So is there a path to diplomacy in all of this? How does that play out? What does that look like? And so we turn to one of our favorite inside sources, Miles Hansen, who's the president and CEO of World Trade Center Utah, to help us break it all down. Miles, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Boyd, as always, it's good to be on the show. So as we look at the things, obviously the escalation in terms of uh, possibilities and readiness, it's it's clear that Russia is in a an attack mode. Uh, and while they say imminent, I think there it is more inferring that they could, because they're positioned, they could do it imminently, they could do it immediately. Uh, but it seems to me that there's still some more negotiation possible on the table. From all of your experience, how do you think, see things shaping up and what is the path to diplomacy? You know, boy, that's a really good question. I think before diving into that, it's important for all of us to take a step back and to remember that this is not just about Russia and Ukraine. When we think about America's interests and and, and how we should pursue um, these next steps, you remember the way that we left Afghanistan, and you and I talked a lot about the lack of competence and lack of resolve that we demonstrated. At that time, we talked about how Putin was watching as he thought about Ukraine. As we see this play out over the next few weeks, we have to remember that President Xi and China, uh, other adversaries around the world are watching as they determine what they're going to do. And if we demonstrate the same lack of resolve and incompetence we did in Afghanistan, there will be additional crises like this that pop up in other parts of the world. And in Taiwan, we have a lot of very important strategic interests at stake. And so we have to get this right. So to your question about is is diplomacy uh, still an option at this point, it's important for everybody to remember that diplomacy is not just sitting around a table and having a nice conversation. Right? Diplomacy is using all the instruments of power short of armed military conflict to try to achieve an objective. And with that definition, we absolutely still have diplomatic options, but they have to be very strong. They have to be very aggressive. We need to move full speed ahead with imposing all of the threats that we have put on the table over the past few weeks to try to deter Putin from invading. Now that President Biden said an invasion is occurring, we need to move very swiftly to impose those costs which will then uh, make it more difficult for Putin to move forward without uh, suffering significant costs at home and in Ukraine. And that's how you get him to want to take a step back from the brink 
and to pursue a different course other than all-out invasion and all-out military conflict. Yeah, we've been talking throughout the show today. Of It's kind of the – it appears to be the difference uh, from the old art, art of war that uh, strategy without tactics is the slowest path to victory, but tactics yeah. without strategy is just the noise before defeat. And it seems to me that the administration has been very much in a reactionary tactics mode uh, as opposed to really having a strategy uh, that they can lead – to that diplomatic table, lead the, the the partners and allies around the world to a place. It, it just seems very fragmented, very tactical, very reactionary to me. Yeah, you know, Boyd, I, I, I do want to give some credit. And, and I'm not a believer. You know, some people will, will, will criticize any administration if it's not from the same party they're from. <laughs> right, and right. that's not my approach of things. And, and I've been very critical of the Biden administration on, on Afghanistan and a few other things. I do have to say that the way that they have uh, effectively reinforced NATO, gotten a lot of buy-in from our European partners who've gotten weak on NATO over the past few years, um, put together uh, a a set of sanctions that we've seen a little bit of, I'd like to see more of that rolling out over the next few days, and working very hard to, to broadcast to the world what Putin's playbook was and declassifying intelligence that typically were slow to declassify. I think all that was very positive. That, That set the stage of very clear-cut, significant costs for Russia uh, if they were to invade. Now that President Biden is saying that an invasion is underway, the question is, how do we execute? And whether or not we follow through with these threats and with these, uh, these, these tools of, 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 of diplomatic means, of economic power in, in, in our diplomatic power, how we follow up now is really critical. Yeah. And, and I just was looking uh, just a few minutes ago, I noticed uh, that um, this, is, this is not our first uh, case dealing with Putin and you in, in, in the former Soviet republics. In 2008, Russia annexed parts of Georgia. 2014, of course, uh, Russia annexed Crimea. It's interesting, 2008, uh, former, as during the Bush administration, former National Security Advisor Stephen Hadley has said that it was a mistake to not, to, to, to not do more to impose costs on Putin. 2014, James Clapper, Obama's Director of National Intelligence, says that they wish that they had been more aggressive. Mm. I think right now is not a time for restraint on all these instruments of power. Yeah. We put together a great uh, package and, and a lot of threats, and I think that there is some credit due to the, uh, to the Biden administration for doing that. Now when you see it executed to impose costs and not have this be a repeat of Georgia and Crimea, where in hindsight we have national leaders regretting that we didn't do more. Yeah, I think that's so important. I, I uh, Last week I thought I thought the president had uh, one of his best speeches ever last week. I thought he was strong. He was specific. Uh, he was leading uh, and laying out a lot of those uh, sanctions and a lot of those uh, potential threats, the cost uh, to Vladimir Putin. Uh, I think yesterday was a little less so. Uh, yep. And uh, again, it comes back to what you were saying in terms of will we actually apply these? Uh, and does Vladimir Putin believe that we will apply those? And can we keep that uh, NATO unit together? One of the things I w- I've been dying to ask you about is with the sanctions that were rolled out yesterday from Japan and from Australia and Canada, Germany, uh, it was interesting that they were all done individually. Uh, each of those countries kind of did their own thing uh, on those. Wouldn't it have been more powerful if it had been just a really united, united front uh, and just plopping all of those uh, on the table for Vladimir Putin in one thing? Because it makes me question the resolve. If everyone's acting individually, yeah. will there be enough resolve when things get really tough? 
Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. This gets back to your earlier comment about the kind of the patchwork nature of of these things as they roll out. It absolutely would have been better if there was a more unified resolve. You think about the first Gulf War and, and President President Bush put together this incredible coalition of countries that stood resolved and united to go and uh, push Saddam out of Kuwait. Uh, not just because of the interests that were at stake in Kuwait, but because it was such an affront to the rules-based international system that's kept mm. the world safer since World War II. And we, we're not seeing that. And that's exactly what Putin is trying to do, right? He didn't roll the tanks into Kiev because he knew that there would be a unified response. But by taking this this kind of halfway measure, he is trying to uh, break the resolve to peel off different groups of in the EU and our partners around the world and then to exploit that to try to water down what the response is. And then the hope is that he can just endure these sanctions for long enough until we get distracted and and move on to other things. And then they become a de facto reality, just like is what happened in Georgia in 2008 and Crimea in 2014. Yeah, it seems to me that uh, he really is uh, going down his uh, judo roots of just looking to yeah. score those small points, those little advancements, you know, making the case that these are independent territories and uh, he's just going in with peacekeeping forces. Uh, but I, w- I wanted to ask you, Miles, you mentioned the kind of the, the structure and law uh, in terms of, of borders and boundaries and self-determination going back to World War II, it seems to me that these very small moves by Vladimir Putin really could upset that norm. Uh, and as you started when we began, that makes it just not about Russia and Ukraine, but way beyond that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's he's exact. you're exactly right. He's trying to chip away at this step by step. But with every successful uh, piece of another country that he's able to take over and, and to pull into Russia, either formally or, um, or or on a de facto basis, that then emboldens other countries around the world. And they say, you know what, if he was able to do that in Ukraine, what can I do with some of the, 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 the countries around me, uh, little bits of other countries that I'd like to, to, to bring into my uh, into my country? And so it's destabilizing, and, and it's important, right? None of us want to be war hawks. Nobody wants war, but it's important to remember that when there is weakness and disarray out there in the world, that there are people that will seize the moment and they will be emboldened, and that is destabilizing. That leads to war, and that leads to more death and destruction. And my concern is, like where I started, uh, you know, Taiwan is is the prime example of a of of a territory that China has very publicly stated that it intends to bring Taiwan and to become a part of China. They've never recognized Taiwan as an independent country. The United States hasn't either. Um, And so China is absolutely watching the situation in Ukraine. And if there aren't significant costs to Putin to do what he's doing right now, then that will embolden China in the months and years to come. Uh, Great insight as always. Miles Hansen is the president and CEO of World Trade Center, Utah. Miles, thanks for weighing in today. Thanks, Boyd. Have a good day. All right. Uh, We'll go ahead and step aside for one last commercial. Great. That's some great insight. We'll break that all down and wrap up the show. Final thoughts coming up. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. 
but what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.